Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's gonna be sick. Marinero on this uh, Wednesday, December seventh. It's uh, two. There's it's two minutes past uh, ten o'clock right here, and we're live on YouTube. We're live. I'm having a really bad hair day. Oh my god! Look at this. This is a disaster. It's the second time it's happened this week. I think it's pretty safe to say that I need a haircut. Let me move everything out of the way here. What in the world is going on with my hair? Anyway, it's okay. Well, I can't fix it now. What am I going to do? Get it pick up and leave? But uh, anyway, it's uh, Wednesday, uh, December 7th. And, uh, you know, we're going live on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And um, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, please do so. It's absolutely free. And the more of you subscribe, uh, you know, we're, we, it makes us pretty happy when you do. So it's all pretty cool. And we're talking Habs, and we're going to talk Habs for the next hour. And uh, Eric Engels is going to join me in about a minute. Before he does, I'll also tell you that um, Chris from Sport La Tornade, uh, who's got his store out in uh, Vaudreuil Dorion, is going to join me a little bit later on. We're going to talk about player cards. And uh, I know I have a couple of questions lined up for Chris in, in regards to that. And by the way, I'm going to be hanging out at his store on Saturday afternoon. So that's something that we're going to talk about as well. Uh, there we go. Look at that. Trade day at Spore La Tornade. Uh, bring your cards and trade with other collectors. Uh, that's going to be going on on Saturday, December 10th from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. I'm going to try and get there as soon as I can. Uh, I will tell you that I'm going to be um, at a, a fundraiser in downtown Montreal um, for uh, Les Enfants de Dr. Julien with uh, my buddy Jean-Charles Lajoie, George Lorac, and many others. Uh, I'm going to be there early Saturday morning, probably at around 8 o'clock in the morning. I'll probably get out of there uh, for about noon and then probably make my way to Vaudreuil Dorian. So I'll be there and I'll spend uh, several hours in the afternoon. Uh, so if you want to drop by and say hello, uh, I love stuff like this because um, you're my sick army. You've been with me from the beginning and uh, we're growing in numbers each and every day. And, uh, you know, it's not every day I get to meet some of you. And so when I do, uh, I know it makes some of you pretty happy, but I have to tell you, it makes me pretty happy as well. The Sick Podcast brought to you in part by Lacash. If the last time you went to Lacash was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you go back to Lacash. The menu will surprise you. And Yellow and I will be there next week. We'll tell you when. Maybe we can bump into you over there as well. Also brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. If you ship commercial freight and want to impress your boss with how much money you can save, 
Get in touch with the logistics professionals at Energy Transportation Group. Email them at sick at shipenergy.com or visit their website at shipenergy.com. And also brought to you by these guys who have been with us since the beginning. And man, do we appreciate it. The Geloso Group 8.6 beer, intense by nature. The beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And by the way, uh, they don't only bring you 8.6 beer. You know, they bring you all the sangrias and they bring you all kinds like a different line of products. It's uh, many, many different products, which uh, I have uh, in my fridge and in my canteen, always ready when people come over for a visit. We take out the drinks and uh, they make a lot of people very, very happy. Without further ado, joining me right now from sportsnet.ca. Uh, he's as plugged into the Montreal Canadiens as you're ever going to get. Eric Engels, what's going on? Is it is it me or I can't hear you? Am I the one having a problem here? Maybe I am. Maybe I am the one having a problem here. No, I don't hear Eric. Is it me? Is it me? Agnello and Sammy, let me know if it's me, because maybe it's me. And if it is me, I'd like to know what I have to fix here. I don't think it's me. I, I think I'm good. Here, I'm checking my phone. I think I'm good. Agnello, am I good? Agnello and Sammy are going to tell me if I'm good. This is the beauty of... Uh, um okay so it looks like uh uh it looks like it's it, it's eric okay the issue and uh so that's you know we're gonna try and uh we're gonna try and fix that all right we're gonna try and fix that all right let, let's see here let's see all right uh no sound on eric okay so it's not me it's eric we're, we're trying to fix it okay pretty good uh Yesterday, a big win by the Canadians. If uh, you know winning is important to you, they uh, beat the uh, Seattle Kraken by a score of 42. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's the second time they played in Seattle. By the way, Mitch Garber, what a guy, a personal touch yesterday. The same way he did the first time they visited Seattle, he insisted that they bring in a singer who would sing O Canada, um, the bilingual version of O Canada, which they did which was pretty special. And also during the broadcast, uh, of course, uh, you know, they, they brought up the fact of uh, it was the, uh, you know, the, the, the terrible anniversary that was uh, December the 6th, 33 years ago yesterday. Um, you know, a terrible tragedy, of course, the shooting of 14 innocent women. And they brought that up on the broadcast as well. And that was also Mitch Garber who told them if they could mention that. So, uh, Mitch, you're the best. Eric, do you hear me now? Do I hear you? I don't hear Eric. And now someone says that they can't hear me. What in the world is going on here? Geez, we've never had a show like this before. I think we should bring on Agnello here. Agnello, Sammy, and I know you guys don't like coming on, but I, I, I need to know what's going on here. Is I'm starting to think it's me. I'm starting to think it's me. I want to make sure that I'm I'm talking into something here. Hi, it's Agnello. Not, it's not you. It's Eric. He's going to log on, log back on, and try it. But it's not okay. you. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Because I was, you know, I thought it was him the first time. And then when he came back, then I started to think it was me. You know what I mean? He's going to log off and log back on. Hopefully it works. If it doesn't, then we'll just go straight to Chris. Yeah. How are you doing? If, if, if Eric can't go, yep. are you ready to fill in? Not at all. I'm not good enough. No, I. No. How are you guys doing? You haven't been on the camera in a while. A lot of people want to know what's going on with you guys. How are you guys doing? We're doing excellent. Thank you. How are you doing? 
I'm doing very good. I'm doing very good. I'm going to do better when um, when Eric joins me here, but I'm I'm doing very very good. Good. You know, I think he's back on. Hold on, let me check. Something. Yeah, yeah. Check, check. Okay, you could go check. Okay, don't worry about it. Go okay. check. Go, okay. go do what you got to do. Thank you. There you have it. And yellow and Sammy. This is it. This is the beauty. Why don't I take this opportunity actually uh, to see um, uh, George Costanza? It's not you. It's me. Technique. All right. I hear you, Tony, says Darren. Thank you. Kelly says sick. Kelly's been there for about a month now, and she's there all the time. She doesn't miss any appointments. Thank you, Kelly. We hear you, Tony. It's Eric, says Lizard King. Thank you. I hear Tony, not Eric, says Patrick. Thank you. Open your mic. Eric, says Simon. Can't hear Eric, says uh, Daniel Olivier. And, uh, yeah, Roger Delaney says very sick. Mark Fidanza, Tony, you sound great, and so is your hair. Even my hair, by the way, I, I cut it myself, eh? And you can probably tell this is not the work of a professional. I just woke up and I decided to cut the sides. I kept the front a little longer. And my wife says that I basically destroyed it, you know? And uh, it's funny because I have all the time in the world now during my days to actually, uh, you know, go see a barber and stuff like that. And I have a lot of people who like cutting my hair. But uh, for whatever reason, I, I just pretend that I, I'm a barber every now and then. Uh, the sides are shaved very nice, says Kelly. Well, it's, 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 you know, it's just, a, it's a trimmer. You know what I mean? Can you give me a haircut? Tony says Kirby. No, I don't cut hair. Love the podcast. Tony. It's sick. Thank you very much. Sick is my lad. Angela Esposito says, I hear you, Tony. Uh, I've been to Montreal twice for games. I'm from the Brunswick. Go to Rubens. If you have it, this coming in from, uh, uh, Islo. Thank you. Uh, looks like Fred Flintstone's hair says Patrick Malvena, who obviously, uh, and Chris Bergeron says that's a toupee. Um, we're talking about two people who probably want to get blocked. They're not going to be the first, and uh, they won't be the last. You're the man, says Tony, says Lotus Man. Lotus Man, you are not getting blocked. That I can guarantee you. All right. Um, okay. Uh, Eric, we're still working on getting uh, Eric, but uh, it looks like uh, Chris Latornad. Why don't we go to Chris Latornad and go to Eric a little bit later? Why don't we do that? I think we should just do that at this point. Sick sports cards. Presented by Sports La Tornade. All right. So Eric was set to join me and Chris was set to join me. Chris is absolutely unbelievable because he was set to join me at around 1030 or 1040 or so. And look at that. He goes half an hour early. Six sports cards presented by Sport La Tornade Sports Cards Collectibles and more. Visit the store at 1 Avenue de la Fabrique in Vaudreuil, Dorian. So uh, once again, a Saturday is a pretty special day at, uh, at Sports uh, La Tornade, right? Yeah, it's kind of exciting. We're going to have some, uh, hopefully we'll have uh, some people here to trade cards with. And uh, we will uh, meet and greet with you, hopefully. Yes, and, uh, I'll be there for sure. Chris, I'll okay. be there for sure. I, I gave you my word that I would be there. I'm at a fundraiser. Uh, Perfect. Actually, I, I, you know, I've had a, a, a very busy week. I, I went down to meet some, uh, some great people in Cowansville on Saturday to right. bring awareness to what they're doing. Uh, they've basically set up several workshops in a huge warehouse of 15,000 square feet. And uh, Plain Rayon, they're called. And uh, they work with, uh, you know, kids, young adults uh, and, and young people uh, who have um, problems with motor skills, uh, whether it's uh, being autistic, whether it's suffering from dyspraxia, some of them with Down syndrome. So I was there last week on Saturday morning. 
this Friday night, I'm going to Laval at the request of Gianni Romanelli. I think I'm going to uh, drop the puck for the uh, ceremonial puck drop in Laval for a hockey game. I'm going there on Friday night. On Saturday morning, I'm going to be playing in a fundraiser. It's going to be ball hockey, playing with Les Enfants de Dr. Julien. That's going to take place downtown Montreal next to the Hochelaga Maisonneuve area. It'll probably bring me to around noon. At noon, I'm going to leave there. I'll get in my truck, and I'll make my way to Vaudreuil-Dorion, and uh, I think I'll, I should arrive there by 1 o'clock in the afternoon at the very latest, and I'll spend a good three, four hours with you, and I'm hoping that you're going to have a TV on the World Cup. Oh, yes, we will. Because England's going to be playing France at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, correct? That's correct, and we will have it on. You mean a lot to me because it takes a lot to get me out of my house when there's a very important soccer game going on. You can imagine a World Cup game, eh? a quarterfinal game between England and France. So I might be a little bit distracted. I will say hi to everyone, but I'm going to always have one eye on the tube, okay? I want to let you know. So, Perfect. you know, I hope I'm not going to be impolite by doing so, but I'd rather give everyone the heads up. I'll have one eye on the tube, okay? That's perfect. We're thrilled to have you, and hopefully we see some of the faces of all the pillows we've sold since. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be happy to be there, and, uh, you know, if by any chance you had a pizza or two, uh, that goes a long way with me. All right, yep, okay, all kidding aside, why don't we talk sports cards for now? Who's hot? So, uh, I was going to – I so tonight's topic was going to be who's hot, who's not, and, what, and how do um, – to evaluate a card and, and what makes a card uh, valuable. So I'm gonna what go, I'm gonna... if, if I can, I'm going to go with a player that I want to throw at you, an yeah. athlete that you probably don't expect because I usually don't go baseball. But after hearing Aaron Judge signing nine-year deal, $360 million with the Yankees, I would imagine after hitting like a 1,000 home runs last season the way he did, and I'm making up that number, by the way, that his yeah. card is already very valuable. But when a player signs... Earlier in the day, does the value of that card skyrocket or not? So because of what he's done this year and because he's staying a Yankee, I don't. So it's not going to skyrocket. The fact that he is staying a Yankee is a good thing, because one of the things I did want to talk about is the the one of the big things in, in uh, value of a card is the hometown market. Who they play so, for. Exactly. And the New York Yankees, we all know, uh, they're not everyone's cup of tea, but they are uh, they are a team that are they're followed very much so in the, in the MLB. And playing with the New York Yankees, the New York Yankees versus the Arizona Diamondbacks or something like that, definitely that card will hold more value or even go up today with that signing announcement. What's the story with uh, Ovechkin's card? As uh, you know, he's he's you know he's like a hundred goals away or whatever it is from Wayne Gretzky's uh, eight ninety four mark. Yep. I mean, you know, I would imagine that card was already valuable, but yep. what happens to that card if he beats eight ninety four? It doubles that it card doubles. already. Oh, the card already. So the wave already hit. So the the wave hit last year when everyone started talking about the the record. Uh, the card doubled then, and the wave has hit. And now, if he now it's whether he hits it or not. Everyone's thinking yes, he will. So that will also bring it to a whole other level. So now people are just they 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 rode the wave. They bought the card. They're sitting on it, waiting for that record now. 
Wow. Uh, it doubles, uh, man. So someone who's got that card right now is uh, watching every Capitals game and uh, and praying to God that uh, that he scores every game that he plays here and beats absolutely. that Absolutely. Yeah, uh, absolutely. With the World Cup going on, Kylian Mbappe. Yes. Right? He's right now, as we speak, he has the most goals in France's Ligue 1. He has most goals this season in UEFA Champions League. And he's got most goals at the World Cup. If he ends up being the leading goal scorer of the World Cup and France win the World Cup, what happens to his card? And by the way, would you know off the top of your head what his card is worth? So uh, there's different variations of the card. If you can buy a cheap set, the card is is probably the most expensive card in that set. But you can still get it at a fair price. If you go to a um... what's fair? What's fair? If I can, like I, you know, I, you know, I want to buy this guy's card. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, will I be able to pay it with the money that I have in my yes. uh, in my pocket, or do I got to go to the interact machine first? You are going to be able to buy a cheaper version of an Mbappe card with the money you have in your pocket. Is it going to be worth anything? Yeah, absolutely. There's different there's different uh, standards, right? There's different values. There's 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 a market out there for everybody. There's different products, and if you want to buy, say, like the Prism that the Prism, uh, which is the highest level you can buy in yeah. the, in the soccer cards, then you're gonna look at something. You might want to go to the Interact machine or even get out your credit card. Excuse my ignorance, Prism. What is that? What is that? Pr- Prism Soccer is uh, is Prism is is made by Panini. It's a it's basically oh. a set within Panini. Oh, okay, and so, I got it. Yeah, so it, uh, Panini makes the soccer cards. They also make the uh, football cards. So Panini Prism is also big in uh, football and basketball. Would um, you know, considering football is is more a sport in Europe. Uh, we're talking soccer than it would be here. Like if I would have one of those cards and I would sell it in Europe, would I get more money for that card in Europe than if I would take that card and sell it here? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Just like selling a Cole Caulfield here. Okay, I got mean, it. A Cole Caulfield card. If if Cole Caulfield played for the Arizona Coyotes, his card would only be worth about half of what it is because he plays in Montreal, where this is a city of hockey. People love hockey in Canada, and he's playing for a huge hockey market. So it, it really it really depends on the where you play and also where you're where you're from. Uh, like you said, soccer's bigger in Europe. So anytime in Europe, that's going to be uh, worth more. How about a player who, in a short tournament, just explodes? Like, how much can his card go up? I'm thinking of, you know, Gonzalo Ramos, for example, who was the 21 year old striker who came, you know who started the game yesterday in favor of Cristiano Ronaldo, right? He plays one game, boom, he scores three goals, okay? I believe Mbappe's got five at the World Cup. What if this guy explodes over the next couple of games, Portugal wins the World Cup, and he's the leading scorer? Like, can his card go from nothing to a lot, or it'll just go up a bit? No, his card will go from nothing to a lot. It will kind of plateau after the World Cup is done, but then it'll be what's next for that guy. Will it keep going up, or will it not? That's that's the that's the question that people need to study. That's what people that really know soccer and really know the game are going to be able to tell us. Uh-huh. So a lot like the stock market, right? Yeah. So if you wanted to get into, you know, I have my hot and cold list right now over the last couple of weeks. It's the same thing. 
there's guys that have gotten their, their card has doubled or it's gone up like, let's say 75%. Yeah. But, but then again, uh, should we be buyers or should we be sellers at this point? That's the big yeah. question. Well, listen, if and, you have any uh, soccer questions, by all means, I'm not going to tell you that I know more about soccer than anyone else, but nobody knows as much as me. Maybe, okay. maybe Guardiola, maybe yeah. Mourinho, maybe <laughs> Klopp. All right. Okay. Okay. All kidding aside. Hey, look, there's a very, very good question from a member of our sick army community. Okay. Yeah, and this coming ahead. in from Sonny Hendricks. If Gauch, if Ovechkin indeed does break Gretzky's goal scoring record of 894, and you said that his card, I believe you said his card would likely double. Yes. Does that mean that Gretzky's rookie card at that point or any other Gretzky card will go down 50%? I don't think so because Gretzky has so many records. He's got Stanley Cups. He's got all the hardware to go with that. So Gretzky's card is has always been a classic. It's it's there. The the prices have not fluctuated that much. Mm -hmm. They did they did go up during COVID because everything did, but it's it's not gonna affect what Crosby's done. Nothing can be taken away from that guy. Just like the great football players, the great soccer players, the great yeah. you what once one of the big uh things for a value in a card yeah. is uh is 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 Stanley Cups. Uh, records, uh, current points, current point streaks, uh, anything that has it with uh, with um, that guy at the moment. So, uh, like th just today, um, uh, Kirill Kaprizov just broke a record th tonight. He uh, he broke the record in Minnesota for the uh, longest uh, point streak goal and uh, and point streak for the Minnesota Wild. It's it's a small it's a small record, but it's still something to build on, and it's still gonna make people tomorrow morning wake up and say, "Hmm, maybe I should get myself a Kaprizov. This guy might do something more." Uh, all right, okay. So uh, you know, you talked about Kaprizov just now, and you talked about value in the cards. Uh, so we understand that if a player breaks records, his card's going to become more valuable. Are there other examples of a card becoming more valuable? Is it just breaking records? Is it just performance-based? Or is there anything else that can influence a card going up in value? Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to give you a, a perfect example. And it's not an example that I necessarily agree, uh, like agree on. Yeah. But... Um, because I collect a lot of Tiger Woods, I, I follow the trends on Tiger Woods and I know a lot about Tiger Woods. Yeah. Um, his card, when he actually had a severe accident where he nearly died, the next week after that accident, his card more than doubled. Mm -hmm. More than doubled. And and that's, he didn't beat any records. He, he, had, a, he had a bad accident. People were you know, feeling for him and, and, and it was a terrible, terrible thing, but that actually drove his card up. People were thinking the worst and they were actually jumping on board like, Oh, we need to get some Tiger Woods stuff. Mm -hmm. And that, that actually put his card up. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's not always uh, your fortune. It's your misfortune also. So mm -hmm. th that's something that can happen. Chris, uh, you know, everyone obviously uh, watching really appreciates your contributions and they want to uh, encourage your store and support local and support someone like you. But I'll ask the question anyway. Like Tony says, where's the best place to sell your cards? 
I would say sport left or not. But my question is, is there like a kind of like a, a flagship store somewhere in the world where everyone, you know, that would be the place. Like, let's just say they're not in Montreal, right? Is there a store like in Los Angeles or in Miami or in New York that is the hottest, the hottest place to actually sell a card or is it, is it, you know, is it done on, you know, is eBay a hot place to sell a card? So, the hottest place i don't it's it's a personal opinion i don't yeah. think there is there is a hottest place there is a, some very cool places in the united states that you can go visit and i'm sure i haven't done the tour of europe europe but i'm sure there's some really cool places to stop in but and also here in canada we have some amazing shops stores everywhere mm-hmm. but it, it it's it's everyone's everyone's different cup of tea you know every store has uh, more hockey. The other store has more baseball. The other store uh, sells uh, more uh, memorabilia stuff. It, it it's all depending on. Uh, pers- I I tend to think that a local card store is your best bet. Selling, uh, buying, and selling on eBay is great. Mm-hmm. It's a great tool to have. Everybody uses it now. When you buy a card on eBay now, you're gonna you're gonna be paying taxes. Mm-hmm. You're you're gonna if you're selling on eBay, you're gonna be charged fees. Yeah. So these are all things that can get in the way of your of your sale or your purchase, and there sometimes the value of the card gets away from you. Where like, okay, this card was worth twenty dollars. I mm-hmm. bought it, but now I, I paid thirty two because fees and taxes and everything um so that's just an example of ebay but the 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 good thing about ebay is you can find anything and everything and it's just a click away versus getting outside and going to your local card store eric engels is going to join us in two or three minutes before he does we're just going to take three questions with you chris and so let's go Agnello and sammy bring up the questions ernie lapori are you talking about graded cards versus raw cards? There's a huge difference if graded. Absolutely. So the the um, the the raw cards and the graded cards are a huge difference in price. Um, so one thing I do I was going to mention also is that let's take for example uh, Kirill Kaprizov. He broke a little bit of a record today. He's a card that you would buy you would buy get graded and it would up the value. So Kirill Kaprizov is having himself a pretty good season. His points are his point totals are there. He's going up, but I'm seeing on the market his card graded PSA 10. Okay, I, I have an example of a Makar here. So here's the Makar PSA 10. The Kaprizov right now is actually trending down, and the reason it's trending down is because the pop report on the back of every card. You see this barcode that you have on the back of every card. So if I scan that, it's going to give me a population report and it's going to tell me how many PSA 10 cap resolves there is. Oh, wow. On, yes. And that will determine. Now, cards, the from, cards from yesterday didn't have this. I mean, this just came out when exactly? Well, this has been out for a while with PSA. Now we're getting into uh, even more technology with tag grading that I mentioned in a, in a different show. That's an even uh, a technology that's even coming and going even further than PSA. 
So that's to come. We'll talk more about tag later on. But for now, the uh, the pop report is very important when you talked about graded cards, because now the Kaprizov is now up to 2,600 in the pop report, which is is getting high. So that is kind of affecting his market, and his card has gone down in the last few weeks. Another question. Is buying a box of Tim Horton's 22-23 hockey cards worth it? This coming in from Burray. So I don't want to discredit Tim Horton's and their products and what they do. I've collected Tim Horton's over the years. It's a fun set to do. It's a very difficult set to do. You have to buy a lot. You, uh, My advice is to buy a bit when you start and then get into the trading. Tim Horton's is a very good set for trading in order to complete your set. But uh, the problem that I see with the Tim Hortons cards is over time, they do not hold the value uh, as much as your regular hobby boxes that you'll buy at your local card store. So I would stick with local card store uh, hobby boxes more than a Tim Hortons. Third and final question of the night. This coming in from Sandro Da Vinci. I have that shoebox. Mark Messier, Paul Coffey, Ray Bork. Rookie cards are more they worth uh, and more. Are they worth anything? I have no idea what to do. That's the best thing to do is to bring them to me. Come show them and I will have a look at them. Sell them to First, me. I'll give you 20 bucks cash. <laughs> there you go. You sell them to Tony. He'll bring them over and we'll have a look at them. Now, first off, we have to determine whether they are the real rookie cards. Like you had some that were, you know, some were rookie, some weren't. Yeah. And then we have to do, and then we determine the, um, what the condition of the cards are. And you know what? I would probably suggest getting a few of those graded if they were the rookie cards. Oh, wow. Pretty cool. Hey, Chris, once again, I'm going to give out the address so people can come down and see us. On Saturday, you're going to be trading cards. You're going to be yep. buying cards. We're hoping we can get the sick community there. Uh, and it all takes place at your store, 1 Avenue de la Fabrique in Vaudreuil, Dorian. So this is going to take place this Saturday between noon and 5 p.m., correct? That is correct. I'll be there. You got a TV with the game on, yes or no? We have a TV with the game on, and we do have food and beverages. Who's better than you? Nobody. I'll see you on Saturday, my man. All right. Thanks. Have a good All night. right. There you have it. Thank you. There you have it, Chris, from Sportlat Tornad. Uh, and now I've been told that Eric is ready to go, and uh, we fixed the microphone issue and the sound issue. Look at him. There we go. I'm hearing a little bit of echo, though. I think you got... Uh... No. Really? Yeah. Do you hear me well? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I do, but... I, I don't hear an echo with you. No? No. No. Okay. All right, then don't worry about it. What can Just I? Just a couple you? old guys having audio issues here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. We're worry. revealing our age. Yeah, don't, don't. Yeah, it's no big deal. There's, there's. Listen, there's an echo, but I mean, it's not the end of the world. What can I tell you? Okay. I'm turning the gain down on the microphone. Does that work? Um, uh, I still hear an echo. I think. Maybe it's in your head, Tony. Uh, I don't think so because I just had Chris on and I didn't hear it with Chris. And then you came on and I heard it with you. Listen, it doesn't matter. All right. Uh, it's no big deal. It's like the end of the world. It's buffing Zimone. You know what I mean? All right. Hey, what did you make out of, um, uh, you know, Shane Wright versus your Slavkowski last night? 
I thought it was an interesting game in that the Canadians scored on half their shots and pretty much ended it right there. It wasn't like we were going to have a repeat of what happened Monday in Vancouver. That was wild being at that game. It was not a fun. That was a great and fun game to watch, Tony, and uh, not a very fun one to write about on a uh, on an Eastern time zone deadline. So. That they didn't tough. score on half their shots. Didn't they score on four to 16? That would be 25% of their shots. They scored on the first four uh, of eight. Oh, the first four of eight. Okay, yeah. I got you. All yeah. right, all right. I was just... And then inevitably, know. the percentages dropped. Yes, they yeah. got a few... They were trending towards like their lowest shot total in years in Seattle. And uh, yeah, Martin Jones, uh, I would suggest, was not like the best I've ever seen him no, play. He wa- no, he wasn't. I mean, Caulfield's first goal, uh, you know, albeit a nice setup and a nice shot, it hits off of him before it goes in. I think he should have had that one. Suzuki's shot looks like it goes off his glove or through his glove. I think he should have had that one. Was that last night or Vancouver? I can't remember now. Oh, that, was geez, no, that was Vancouver. You're right. Yeah, was, <laughs> what am I? What am I thinking about exactly? Were you what just on the about? West Coast? Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a. Of which they picked up five out of eight points in uh, on the on this trip, right? The win in Calgary, the loss in Edmonton, the overtime loss versus Vancouver, and uh, the win last night versus Seattle. What was I thinking about exactly? But I have no. I was thinking it's about just, Vancouver, Suzuki yeah. scoring the Vancouver game and uh, shot yeah, right through yeah. that club. And I, I, right I turned, the club, uh, yeah. turned to our, our buddy Arpin Basu in the press box. I said, you know, and eventually he's not going to keep scoring on every shot he takes. Yeah, uh, yeah, like. But it's uh, it's quite remarkable what's going on with that player, and it was quite a it was quite a yeah. road trip through uh, Calgary and Edmonton, which were minus thirty. Yeah, all all four days that we were there, that was horrible. Nothing prepares you for that. Yeah, I lived on this planet for thirty nine years, all of them yeah. in Montreal, and you know when that shit comes, it's just it's unbearable. Yeah. Yeah. I have. Uh... I have uh, real good news for you, by the way, because it looks like the echo is gone. Based on uh, it looks like it's gone, and based oh, on some of the comments, uh, you know what? What what else is remarkable is the second Shane Wright scored that goal last night. The amount of people that took the social media to say that the Montreal Canadiens absolutely blew it because it's funny, right? Because prior to the game, oh yeah, well, listen, prior, I didn't see any of that. Well, just go on Twitter and do a search of Shane Wright's name or a search of Slavkovsky's name. The amount of tweets you're going to read is going to be you're going to freak out. But before the game last night, Shane Wright had played seven games at the National Hockey League level. He had one assist. That's it. He scores a goal. And all of a sudden, everyone's like the Montreal Canadiens blew it. Everyone's weighing in. So, you know, Shane Wright has more potential, yada, yada, yada. You know, I don't know who's got more potential. I will say this. And I think this can make for a real good discussion here between you and I. I really like what the Kraken are doing with Wright. His confidence was down. You're going to the American Hockey League. They made him play five games. He scored four goals. His confidence came back up. I think one of the reasons why they wanted him in the lineup last night as well, it could have probably negatively affected his confidence if the Canadians and Uri Slavkovsky are in town. He's not in that game. He plays they're going to send them to the World Juniors. And here's where I think we can have an interesting debate. I don't think a stint in the minors at some point for Slavkowski, and I don't think Slavkowski going to the World Juniors would hurt his development. Only time will tell, but I believe it would help him. Your thoughts? I, I don't think anything like that would ever hurt somebody's development. It's never been mm-hmm. my opinion. Anytime you get to go to an international tournament and have that type of experience where you're the guy 
Um, you know, I, I don't think it would hurt his development. Whether or not it would actually help his development in terms of being able to play at the speed at the NHL level and, and mm-hmm. uh, find the strength to do it for more minutes than he's been getting in Montreal is subjective. It's questionable. Um, you know, you say you really like what Seattle's doing with Shane Wright. I'm sure you didn't love it when they were playing him six minutes a game. No. Uh, and scratching him multiple times. No. You know, in a row. No, that I didn't. That wasn't necessarily good for his development. I, I actually really like the way Montreal has brought Slavkovsky along. I do believe there will come a point where he'll spend some games in the American Hockey League. Um, but I don't know if that's urgent or anything like that. You think even you if... should watch some from the press box, Eric? No. <laughs> I, I like. First of all, no. I, I think if anything, if you're gonna if you're gonna pull him out of the lineup, put him down in the American Hockey League. Let Got him it. play games. Let him play a few more games. Let him work. Sometimes they say play. you learn when you watch, right? Sometimes yeah. say, he gets he gets he, he's been rocked three or four times where it was either he was a little bit naive and yeah. he didn't expect to be hit either. He watched his pass after he made it. Either his head was down. I don't think those, that was a penalty the other night, by the way. No, eh? those, those are things that happen with young players, by the way. It happened with Galchenyuk. It happened with Kakanyemi. It usually happens with young players who maybe are not 100% ready or maybe skipped a step or two. I just I want to protect him a little bit more. I, I know he's a big boy. I know he hasn't suffered a documented concussion yet. Since he's been here, I just I'm I'm trying to avoid that he does, you know. I'm I yeah. trying so to protect two, him a little things. bit. Two things. Um, yeah, you learn from it from taking a couple of those hits. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And a guy like Yaroslav Kovsky, who's six foot four, two hundred thirty eight pounds, has been a monster everywhere he's played and on bigger ice. He hasn't had to pay as close attention uh, in the other leagues as he has in the NHL, where he can't he's got to learn that he can't admire a pass and then all of a sudden he gets drilled right you don't want to see this happen over and over again you said three or four times i've counted three times and two of them really um you know one of them man i I can't remember which game it is now that he got got hit in the head and and he was pissed off about it and he said afterwards you know it was still a hit to the head but you know maybe i was out of position or i leaned forward you remember which game it was it's not the game in minnesota where he was by the boards where he got hit by Marco Rossi? Is that the one you're no, talking about? Not no, not that hit. No, there was a hit where he got hit recently uh, before this last one. Okay. Um, and it's, I, I'm, I'm annoyed that it's kind of escaping my mind right now. But I'm just going to take a look play, at the schedule this was, here. And if I take a look at the games, I'll probably, it'll probably. Yeah, this, this was a play that anybody could have been the victim of because the defenseman snuck around another guy who was playing. Oh, it was the game in Chicago, the 3-2 game on Thanksgiving uh, Friday there. Was it that one? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. He got hit not by the guy who was playing him defensively, but a guy yes. who snuck around the other defenseman and, and ended up kind of in his blind spot. Now, the way he's going to learn from it is going through it, like just like any other experience he's having at the NHL level. And look, I know coaches say you can learn some. Marty St. Louis likes to say you can learn something watching from the press box, and I'm sure yeah. some guys do. Yeah. But, you know, we're up on on press row and you know i'm not saying that guys are doing this all throughout the game but they're checking their phone they're you know exchanging messages with their girlfriends or whatever it is like this is not like some 
vast learning experience where uh you know they're they're all of a sudden enlightened about the, the way the game works from, from a different perspective he sat some out during the preseason and got to watch at that time and i'm sure picked up a few things but you know slavkovsky has to experience some of this stuff you don't want to see him getting blown up from game to game now it's something he's definitely going to be that much more aware of after getting hit by luke shen the way he did mm-hmm. and look there will come a point here where if they want him to work on something specific and want to give him more ice time and want to give him more feel with the puck and want to give him an opportunity like Shane mm-hmm. Wright had to score four goals in five games in the American Hockey League, they'll do that. Is there? Is it urgent? Is it pressing? Is Slavkovsky merely surviving his shifts in the NHL? I don't think so. Um, I think they're doing a good job sheltering him. I think they played him with some good veteran players. I think they took their time moving him up so that he doesn't end up in a situation where if he's not producing night after night, people yeah. are pulling out their hair or tweeting, like you said, oh, they should have taken Shane Wright. I'll say this about Slavkovsky. Um, talking with one of the scouts that I respect the most, who I'll save his name because all the scouts, you know, they're n- none of them are allowed to talk and all of them like to talk. So we have to keep them anonymous. Yeah, that's but, that's kind of that's kind of true. Well, they're you know, they're they're kind of like, uh, well, you know, they're kind of like lost in the shuffle there. So they 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 like to have a discussion. They're every the sharp, now and they're I, the, I, I enjoy talking with them. They're not in the spotlight and they're the sharpest minds in the game. And they're the most informed people who are in the ranks and getting to know these players better than anybody could possibly do with a computer. Uh, and. When one of them comes out to me that I truly respect and randomly, not because f- I said, hey, what do you think about Slavkovsky, mm-hmm. um, turns to me in Vancouver and says, this kid is going to be a stud. And I said, really? Like what? Like what makes it? He said, just just wait until he grows into that body and has the strength that goes with that size. You could see the fine skills are there. The speed is there. Um, and, and, you know, from all he's heard, the character is there. From what we've seen, the character is there. Yeah. Um, We'll find out in five years if it's him or Shane Wright or, you know, Logan Cooley or somebody else within this draft that's the best player coming out of it. But the Canadians have a pretty good sense of who this kid is going to be. Uh, A scout from another organization, at least one of them, feels he's going to be a really good player. Uh, My opinion is he's going to be a really good player, but they're going to have to continue to handle him in the best Mm -hmm. possible way. And at one point, that might include playing a string of games in the American Hockey League. As far as the World Juniors are concerned, though, Tony, yeah. Like, I don't know how much better he gets as an NHL player. The one thing well, I would it would say, nice, it would nice to see if he can go there and dominate. Yeah, like like he dominated the Olympics and the World Championships, right? And yeah. he did. The one thing I would say that could be a value to him doing that is that after both those experiences, or at least after the Olympic experience, it was a springboard for him in the in the Finnish league. He started playing yeah. a lot better after yeah. that. Um, but I I don't know if he becomes that much better as an NHL player by going down to do that at this yeah, point. Yeah, no, I so hear you. We'll see. Hey, you know, after Shane Wright scored that goal yesterday, Slavkovsky came alive a little bit in that game yesterday. Like he's like he you can tell. I mean, you you know, you always want to score, but he looked like he was a little bit of a man on a mission. And and by the way, as much as Shane Wright had a great first period and he could have scored a goal before he actually scored a goal, so he could have finished the night with two. And after. We we should also say, though, that he loses Dvorak on the goal that the Canadians end up scoring um, with Slavkowski getting an assist on the goal. Uh, He misses an assignment there, so it wasn't all perfect for him. Hey, a shout-out to Erickson Audio, the sick podcast with me, Marinaro, Task Cam equipment is supplied by Ericsson Audio, the choice of musicians, engineers, and broadcast professionals. 
I want to get back to that game versus Vancouver if I can, because they blew a four nothing lead. They lose by a score of seven to six. It's enough to drive a coach crazy. Marty St. Louis was very calm. Uh, he kind of raised the volume a little bit when he called the timeout, but he was very calm after the loss. He was very calm the next day. And he was asked about it and said, Hey Marty, you know, you're pretty calm. And he said, well, because the win isn't everything here. It's, you know, it's just, this is a learning moment and we're going to learn from it. And I thought they, they managed the game really well yesterday. I mean, Seattle had more shots and a lot of scoring chances or more scoring chances. They didn't have a ton though. The Canadians, I thought managed the game well for a team that was playing three games in four nights. I thought they learned from that loss versus Vancouver. And that's what Marty St. Louis wants. And that's what they did. Yeah, when you say manage the game well, I think particularly in the third period, pucks in, pucks out, no turning the pucks over at both blue lines. The yeah. type of stuff that you need to do in order to win hockey games. And the night before, Marty St. Louis was talking about loving the style the Canadians were playing, but teaching them how to win being a separate kind of category. So, so much focus on the style of play and creating offense and doing stuff like that. Um, and maybe a little bit less of it that in the final minute of a period or in the final few seconds of a shift, uh, how to manage the play and manage it. Like that stuff comes with time and experience and making the type of mistakes that the Canadians made in that game against Vancouver. What I love is that the coach, you know, sets that tone, not only after the game, but during it, like the timeout on TV, it looked like he got animated. But when I asked Jordan Harris, like, did he lose it? Like, did he got, he said, no. You know, he's they're not about screaming and yelling. He talked about us having a certain level of focus on what was happening on the other side, not letting players get behind us. But they mm-hmm. come out of that timeout and score two quick goals. Like mm-hmm. the team responds so well to this guy. And I, I think if he plays it a different way, I, I think if he goes ape in that timeout, if he goes off after the game, which he had full reason to after mm-hmm. the game, how do they come out in Seattle? Are they rattled? Are they devastated by the night before and let down and and start off unfocused? Like they are taking what he gives them. And and I think as the leader of the team and as the coach, you have to set that example. And I think we've seen it throughout sports and specifically hockey, which is such a hot tempered sport, that if your coach is going nuts all the time on the bench, mm-hmm. yeah, it has an effect on how you comport yourself as a player and how the, the certain players are on edge or whatever it is. He's always calm. He's always collected. And I think people are looking at it like, oh, you know, the pressure's off in Montreal. And when there starts to be pressure for them to win games, we might see a different person. We're talking about the development of a coach, too, at the same time here. We know who he was as a player. My favorite thing that Marty said after the Vancouver loss was the game gets from 4-0 to 5-4. And all I said to the guys was, there's nothing we can do about that. That's already happened. Like, it's, it's already done. It's what we're going to do next. So I, I just think... And they scored two goals and take a lead. Yeah, and I just think yeah. that mentality carried forward to Seattle, right? Like yeah. any, any team we've seen in the past blow a, a game the way Montreal did the night before, not two nights before, the night before. Yeah. Like they're coming into the next game apprehensive. And yeah. There's going to be problems. Like, And that didn't happen in Seattle. Like they 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 let up a few scoring chances, but capitalized on their own and managed the game, like you said, and were focused completely in that third period to not to ensure that the type of stuff that happened the night before didn't happen. And go back a few weeks before that or a couple of weeks before when they had that horrible game against Buffalo. Yeah. And they're playing the next night. 
and they come out and win, right? Like mm -hmm. this coach is doing things the right way. I mean, oh, there's so many examples every, every night, and and I, it was hard not to look at that one on uh, in Vancouver and be like, okay, yeah. that that's different. Sean Monahan out with an injury. He's had a boot around that foot for a while now. Yeah, uh, I I know that for the most part we've said that we fully expect the Canadians to trade Sean Monahan before the deadline because they can get a real good piece for him. You would think because he's the kind of team that any team trying to make a push in the playoffs would like to have. He's a leader. When they went back to Calgary, you heard some of his former teammates, former coaches talk about how much admiration they have for the guy and stuff like that. But considering he is such a great teammate and considering that it looks like he's playing with a smile on his face in Montreal and considering that when he was in the lineup, he, Slavkowski, and Anderson looked pretty good together. Do you think Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon may have changed their mind? And whether or not they deal Monahan, no. <laughs> and this is like a persistent conversation, and it'll continue to happen from here to the trade deadline. Yeah, the Canadians are going to get a good offer for Sean Monahan. I, I think you and I have talked about this, but yeah, they're not. You know, unless he continues to play the same way he has and and plays even better for that matter, the the idea that he'll necessarily as a rental and a probable third line center on any other team fetch a 2023 first round pick mm -hmm. it might be hard to do because it's really going to depend on what else is in the market and what the market is paying because i think a lot of teams are going to hold on to that asset as a real premium one mm -hmm. um and and they're going to hope that nobody else breaks the code so to speak and then all of a sudden that becomes the currency to get that type of player yeah um that said would the canadians be able to get a really good prospect who was a first round pick for that player would they be able to get a 2024 or 2025 first round pick in exchange for shaman if that type of asset comes back they have to trade the player uh and if if in the dream scenario which it rarely works out this way that he loved montreal so much that he'd like to resign as a free agent then great um I want to lay out one scenario by which the Canadians yeah. will keep Sean Monaghan. And this is excluding the one where nobody offers the type of value that would mm -hmm. have them wanting to trade him. If he gets hurt mm -hmm. and if he's unable to play beyond the trade deadline and for whatever reason his game takes a dip because he's playing hurt and he's too hurt, then the Canadians will consider hanging on to him and signing him. Uh, and and hoping that he heals up and continues to mm -hmm. be of value to them in a short term kind yeah. of situation, mm -hmm. but barring that, the market will generate something that they'll want to take. Ah, for sure. I mean, and, if I was will trade him, so nothing will change. Yeah, if I was a team making the playoffs, I would take Sean Monahan on my team to you know to help me for the run. Jay so Fed says, "Relax with the tanking BS. Montreal will finish where they finish. Let them play. Enjoy the season." Jay, I'm not so sure we understand each other. When I talk about tanking, I never talk about players tanking. Players don't tank. They play every game to win it. I don't talk about coaches tanking. Coaches coach every game to win it. But if you make the team weaker by actually trading away some elements and replacing them by players who are inferior or not replacing them or just getting prospects or picks in return the way the Canadians did a year ago. Once they traded Kulak, once they traded Lekkanen, once they traded Sherratt, and once they traded Toffoli, obviously they were a weaker team and they had less of a chance of winning games. That's how you can tank organically, okay? So, you know, you know, Montreal will finish where let them play. I'm, I'm not telling the players not to play, all right? When I talk about tanking, I talk about it happening organically where 
you know, a, a Gordon and Hughes would decide that they're going to trade Jake Allen and Jake Allen I and, and, and replace him by an inferior goaltender. Jake Allen helps you get points. He helped you get points last night in Seattle, and he helped you get points last week in Calgary, for example. All right. So now we understand each other. We got that out of the way. Hey, Rem the Gem finally played the way he did a year ago, right? Is that uh, Pitlick's best game as a hat this season? I mean, is that the natural conclusion to draw just because he finally scored? Nice goal. It was a nice goal. And what I like most about it is that he drove the middle of the ice and then flashed himself open. What I like most about it was the pass came from Edmondson. (laughs) Yeah. And look, Edmondson makes good plays like that. He threw a three zone pass like the other night. It was unbelievable. Um, You know, Edmondson takes a lot of grief sometimes. I I think, you know, you got to cut him a bit of slack. He jumping onto a moving train with a back injury and having to catch up and, um, you know, being thrust into a situation where he's got to take pressure off a lot of the younger players who've been playing a bit over their heads since the beginning of the season. You know, it's it's tough. And, and like naturally every night that he steps into the lineup, he's being paired with somebody who's playing on their offside. Like, let's chill a bit. I think Edmondson is a really solid contributor, but beyond what I think about him, he's got one more year at $3.5 million. And we're talking about what Monaghan might fetch on the open market. And I'm telling you right now, you know, being through Western Canada and just talking to some people out there, like, I I think it's already Mm -hmm. out there. Everyone's talking about it, but like if the Edmonton Oilers kick at their hands on a player like that, uh, which, you know, they haven't had that type of player since Larson went to Seattle, Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who's physical and gets in your grill and is going to make you pay and has a playoff ability to him. Yeah. You know, that's, and, and we know Ken Holland also specifically is like not typically interested in giving up premium assets for rentals. The yeah. fact that Edmonton has one more year will, will prove quite attractive. Edmonton won't be the only team and they'd have to get Montreal to take back a contract to take that player. Um, but you know, like you could be looking at it, a good, good prospect coming back for a player like that. I think Edmondson's yeah. name is going to get out more and more as we go yeah. forward. And we're hearing that, uh, you know, Ken Holland and, uh, Kent Hughes went for a bite to eat as well. Sonny Hendricks says, we got a prospect for Lekin and not a pick, uh, not true, Sonny. You got a prospect and a pick because for Arturi Lekin and the Canadians got Justin Barron and a second round pick in 2024. So they were able to get two pieces for Arturi Lekkinen. All right, good deal, there for we sure. go. Good deal uh, for sure. Yeah, good deal for. And Lekkinen needed a, you know, Lekkinen was a RFA needing a contract, so and, yeah. and close and, to UFA. So like that was kind of, and it was a, it was a bank breaking contract that he ended up. He absolutely earned. So yeah, but yeah, like, and I don't know if uh, Ken Holland and Kent Hughes actually went out for dinner because I think when I saw them at the Edmonton game, it was the first time they were chatting. But uh, oh, yeah. yeah. But I and I don't know that they were doing anything other than exchanging pleasantries when I saw them together. But okay. look, we were originally talking about Rem Pitlick, right? Mm-hmm. That's where this whole came up. We yes. went off on a tangent on uh, yeah. Edmonton here, but I like that Pitlick made a direct play to score a goal. I find that since the beginning of the season, he's been willing to rely a little too much on his skill and play a bit too much on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the type of player that is going to excel playing with better players, with more offensively skilled players, so that he can make those types of plays and have them, you know, translate into points. Yeah. But when he's playing on the line, he's playing on with Jake Evans and Rem Pitlick, and nothing, not taking anything away from. Sorry, with Jake Evans and Michael Pizzetta. Yeah. Not taking anything away from Evans, who I think has been playing really good hockey, even if he hasn't scored a goal. Uh, you know, you got to play a more direct, straightforward game, and I, I think 
doing what he did last night, yeah, the way he scored that goal, not so much that he scored it, that will help him stay in the lineup when well, the bodies be, start to get healthy. It'd be healthy, nice to so. see them get going because that fourth line is like uh, not the fourth line that we saw a year ago and I, not the fourth I, line that we saw two years ago. I thought Pizzetta played his best game like against Seattle. I thought he was really yes. good. Yes, Pizzetta did play his best game versus Seattle. I would agree with that. And once again, Empilic scored a nice goal. So let's see what can happen because that fourth line doesn't it doesn't have much of an identity up until last night. And let's hope for the best. Hey, what do you make of uh, Logan Mayu not going to the World Juniors? Not much. I yeah. mean, the, the kid played like 12 games of hockey over the last like three years before this season. And I know yeah. he's gotten off to a good start and scored a lot well, of His goals. team is so much better when he plays though, eh? because you take a look at London's record when yeah. he's out of the lineup and when he's in the lineup and that goal that we saw last night, holy jumping, man. That was he he's just good. went around the guys like they weren't even there. He's good. Canada's, you know, loaded with really good premium defensemen. I don't know. I can't speak to the situation and suggest with any authority that like what's happened with him off the ice is keeping him off of hockey Canada's radar, given what's happened with hockey Canada over the last year. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a factor. Yeah. It would um, but you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. and I don't know how Canadians fans feel about this or if they think about it, but sometimes when a player gets snubbed in that situation, or they're not even invited to a camp when they feel they absolutely deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. It's a good thing for the player. It brings out something even better in the player. And we'll see how he finishes up what's looking like a pretty promising season. Um, you know, the people I speak to say he's got different elements of his game to work on offensively. He's there physically there. He's got an NHL shot that and probably a really good one. Yeah, that, that there's no question of. And he's got instincts and but he hasn't played a lot of hockey in the last couple of years. And I, this is a good year in terms of development for him. And I hope he's developing as a human being too, so that when he does get an opportunity in Montreal, he makes the most of it and is able yeah. to proudly say, Hey, I went through something and did something and I learned from it and I, it's helped me become a better person. And, and that experiences like this, where he's left off a, a, um, a camp roster for yeah. Hockey Canada, let alone the team, you know, motivate him that much more to prove to everybody. He's going to be a real good player. Mayu, uh, Suzuki, Caulfield, Slavkovsky, right? These are among some of the names that we brought up. Uh, so far tonight on the sick podcast, obviously really good young prospects, really good young players. And it's funny when we talk about young players and the draft, I just want to say, I bumped into Blair Mackesy today. I was at an establishment in NDG. One of my favorites, uh, having a, uh, a, a sub, a pretty famous place you can imagine. And, uh, and, uh, Blair was there having a bite himself and, uh, it was real cool to bump into Blair, uh, who of course did some scouting for the Minnesota wild. Uh, worked with the Toronto Maple Leafs, long time worked with Hockey Canada, and interviewed for the vacant Habs GM job back in 2012, right? It was uh, it was nice to see Blair, who uh, is enjoying retirement, and he turns 67, I believe, next week, and he is in tip-top form, tip-top shape. I love Blair Mackesy. Blair Mackesy is one of the greatest gentlemen in the history of hockey. He's one of the sharpest dudes that I've ever spoken to about hockey, and he's got an incredibly dry sense of humor. And uh, yeah, he does. Yeah, he's a funny he guy. Can, he can take the shots as well as he gives them, and I, that's what I, you know, hockey's filled with those types of people. Uh, it's no wonder Blair had a very long, successful career, and um, you know, just one of the guys that I love picking his brain about brain about players. I could say that now because he's no longer active uh back in the day i never would have said i was talking to him about yeah. things, but i'd like to talk to blair quite a bit 
um, just, you know, just to pick his brain about certain hockey players, what he sees and what he thinks. And, you know, one of the things that I love the most about Mm -hmm. him is that he really valued, um, he was, he was able to see the value beyond the numbers. He was never Mm -hmm. one of those people who would say, Oh, I don't believe in the analytics and that's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. But he was one of those people who would, who really trusted his own instincts and eyes and was able to judge a player based on what they actually are versus what the numbers suggest they should be, you know, like he was able to look at a player like Ben Chirot uh, who the analytics community would suggest is one of the worst defensemen in the league and say, I know exactly what this guy is and what he brings. And there's so much value in that when it comes time to try to win. And we saw that in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? We saw that in Ben Chirot's time in Montreal where yeah. and I think it's the same thing with Edmondson, right? Like you look at a player that a lot of people said before he came to Montreal, you can't move the puck. He's the next Carl Alsner. He's the next Ben Chirot. He's the yeah. next and and look at the value that he provided. And then again, Montreal, a, right? And yeah, so. and in other situations, the analytics department wasn't crazy about, or the analytics uh, um, population wasn't crazy about Carl Alsner, and they were right, all right? Or the, yeah, the analytics community, I should call them, not population. Very yeah. different thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the analytics don't speak highly of Ben Chirot. Right now, the analytics don't speak highly of Caden Gooley. What do we think of him? Uh, we, know, think, like, well, he, we, we think he's great. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's great, great and trending towards being an unbelievable defenseman. And like speaking to different scouts while I was in Western Canada who got to see him quite a bit before he came to Montreal, like they were shaking their heads, just going, wow. Like one of them turned to me and I wrote this in my column today and said, I can't believe we were ever debating drafting this guy, another team. Like this, wow. this is, uh, He's turning heads. Remember and, the big scandal in the province of Quebec when he was drafted? A lot of people here, well, yeah. a lot of people, a certain sector of the media wanted to draft Hendricks Lapierre and made a big story out of it when the Canadians didn't. I mean, and when Hendricks Lapierre scored his first goal with the Washington Capitals, you remember that one? It became a big scandal that he scored for Washington and the Canadians had Caden Gooley. Uh, nobody's upset that the Canadians drafted Caden Gooley now. No, and I got to tell you, like, there's not a day that goes by this season where I don't kind of shake my head and say like, this kid is really 20. Like I had a conversation with him in Edmonton where I said, you know, you're, you're in your, your home rank where you were with the Edmonton oil Kings last year. You're about to play Connor McDavid. Like how many times last year being so close to this, did you, did you think about this and, and, and dream about this scenario finally coming to life the way it's going to tonight? And he looked at me and said, not once. I, I didn't think about it once. I was focused on what I was doing. And that's exactly why he is is right now, right? Like this is exactly, you know, Marty St. Louis likes to say, I need everyday guys. Like that's exactly who Caden Gould is. He focuses on the day. He he focuses on winning the day, winning the moment. Yeah. And that's why everything he does, he doesn't look in over his head. Yeah. Uh, And and, and this seems to be a theme, not only for him, but Mm -hmm. the whole defense. And I think part of it is, how they've been handled and how they've been allowed to, to, to play through their mistakes. Yeah. But man, like none of them get rattled. Like each yeah. of them are making mistakes that are magnified on a You're nightly right. basis. Because when you play, yeah. that's why they say it's so hard to make it as a defenseman. Cause every mistake mm-hmm. you make really could turn into a goal against. And that yeah. becomes a lot magnified and it becomes, it becomes hard to, to get your focus off of it. But I, I look at Kovacevic scoring and I wrote this in my column today. Kovacevic scoring. Not a bad way to pick up. Yeah. Oh, man. Him scoring last night was extra sweet for one reason. Uh, not because he was 25 and it's five years after he was drafted and he finally gets to realize that that, that for sure is great and it's a dream it's pretty come cool. true. Okay? Pretty cool, yeah. But what's really sweet 
is he was in the box the night before watching Vancouver tie that game. Like yeah. he he made a mistake, tripped JT Miller, got baited in, and and ended up tripping him at a pivotal moment of the game, one thirty two yeah. to go. Yeah, four nothing lead was blown. It's recaptured to the six five lead, and he's in the box watching them score seven seconds after he goes in there. Yeah, like, how do you think he's feeling? And and the fact that he bounces back the way he does the next night after Pedersen scores an overtime 13 seconds in that he probably lost some sleep or whatever it is, but bounces back the way he did and scores his first goal. You know, it speaks to the mental strength of the player, but it speaks to the way the coaching staff is nurturing these young players. And it speaks to how far ahead of the curve all four of them are for having gained the experience they had. They're lucky. Uh Um, They're fortunate. I'm sure, you know, the Canadians would love to have had Mike Matheson and Joel Edmondson from the start of the season. They didn't. They were forced to put these defensemen in situations that Kent Hughes was worried about putting them in. Yeah. And yet there's this theme Uh because all of them are making mistakes on a nightly basis, but they're able to move on the Uh next shift, the next game, whatever it is. That to me, that's what I thought about when Jonathan Kovic-Savage scored that goal. I was thinking about how he was sitting in the box the night before and it could have rocked him. Hey, an ending. Did you see what Tage Thompson did tonight for the Buffalo Sabres? I, before we started talking, he had six points and five goals. Where did he end up? Yeah, with? yeah. Well, uh, five, five out of nine goals. They win by a score of nine to four in Columbus, and Tage Thompson scores five out of Buffalo's nine goals. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I mean, I mean, McDavid was clearly unbelievable last night, uh, last night on Saturday night, but I think, you know, Tage Thompson's the best player, not named Connor McDavid, that I've seen play the Montreal Canadiens this year. Pretty, pretty damn good trade when you go back in time. Now, my like, God, what a trade! It, it, it like no, like for both teams, like well, the Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly, O'Reilly trade, the Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly, O'Reilly going to St. Louis, right? Going I mean, he won a Stanley Cup there. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, um, and for a while, it looked like it wasn't going to have a payoff. Uh, what this a, kid, yeah. I mean, I. I'm going to tell I mean, you. Another, is he not? Is, he not, you like, is he not the best performer that you've seen not named Connor McDavid this year against the Canadians? He's sick. How old is he? How old is he? Uh, 24, 25. He's he's less than twenty five, I think. I'm going to check. Yeah. Because I hate guessing. Yeah. And it only takes two seconds now that we have this uh, internet. Yeah, he's twenty five. He's twenty five. He just turned twenty five at the end of October. When did he pop? Last year, right? Last yep. year was really the first season where he really had it. Yep. But Canadian last year, he almost scored 40 goals. He had 38 yeah. goals last year. Not, yep. And the year before that, what was it? It was a shortened season. He had eight goals. Eight goals in a shortened season. Yeah, in, 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 in 38 games. In 38 games, eight goals. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it took him to 24 to pop. Yeah. All right? Just remember that. Everybody's got to remember that watching Uri Slavkovsky because Montreal is not a market that allows you to get the 24 to pop if you played at 18 years old. Tage Thompson was in the league pretty early, okay? Yeah. And he's a big boy who's got incredible hands, incredible scoring ability. He can one-time a puck as well as anybody in the league, and he can beat you with his hands in close as we saw him do uh, a week ago with one of the nicest goals I've seen in like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and the only other guy scoring goals uh, in a similar way would be Connor McDavid at a different yeah. speed, obviously. But like, just remember and, and just go through the history. Cause like mm-hmm. I could go back to Mike Medano, who's one of the greatest players we've ever seen. And it took him to 23, yeah. 24 years old to pop. And he was in the league early too. So just remember that watching a big guy like Yuri Slavkovsky and, and what he's 
able to do right now and what he'll be able to do. Or even or even Kirby Doc for that matter. You yeah, never know. I mean, good. Doc as well was drafted third overall. He too is a big like six foot four centerman. He, he might pop by age twenty four as well. And, and, and would he be would he be popping the way he is right now in Montreal if he had spent his, the first three years of his career here? No, you know, because it's so hard. Like there's yeah. so little patience for the development of the players. And I just think the models that the Canadians have created now. Yeah, and how they're bringing players along and what goes into that development, which believe me, I'm I'm working on it right now, but I will have a big story on this. Oh, uh, yeah. Coming soon. But what goes into how they're planning development for players is, you know, you, you don't you can succeed without a plan. But you're giving yourself a much better chance when you have one. Oh, yes. And the depth to which they're creating plans for their players and adjusting them on the fly and the touch points that those players are getting, not just with Rob Ramage and Francis Bouillon, who are on the road visiting them, but how that whole process is working with analytics, with the coaching staff and the harmony of the team here. Um, it is a huge, huge difference. That was the, the Canadians. That was the biggest shortcoming in the in the in the old regime was uh the way they handled player development, uh, they, you know, they still had Bouillon talking to some of the players, and they still had Ramish talking to some of the players. But oh, those guys did great. Those yeah, guys did great work. They just weren't supported. They, they weren't support. correct. They didn't, have, they didn't have an Adam Nicholas. They didn't have yeah. the coach on board as well. They didn't have the coaching staff as well. They basically said it was the responsibility of the player to handle their own development. Is for the most part the way they viewed it. I think. But anyway, uh, interesting conversation, Eric. I know you're going to let us know when that article's out. You usually join us on Mondays. Obviously, the Canadians were in Vancouver on Monday, and that's why we got you on tonight on Wednesday. The Canadians will host the Los Angeles Kings on Saturday, Eric, and then they're going to host the Calgary Flames on Monday. They're off on Tuesday. So if we can, because I know you're going to work on Monday, uh, can we talk again on Tuesday right here on the Sick Podcast? I think there's a good chance of it. I'll be missing that game against Calgary on Monday because I'm going to Florida to cover the NHL Board of Governors meetings. Um, so if I am available on Tuesday, I will let you okay. know, which I think there's a good chance of happening and we'll talk and I'll be in Florida and I won't be with this microphone. So yeah, maybe hanging we won't out, have in, the Flo- same audio hanging quality, out but... in Florida, eh? tough life, eh? but somebody <laughs> I'll be working. Do I'll be working. The whole time, uh, but... You know what? There'll be some time for a little bit yeah. of leisure, a little bit of play. Right? A lot there of travel be, right? this month. A lot of travel this month, Tony. It's, yeah. uh, it's how, how long are you going to Florida for? I'm going to go from Sunday till uh, Wednesday morning. You going to bring your golf clubs? Tell me the truth. No, no. No time. I got to work on that piece that I just mentioned. Yeah. Um, and I've been in and out of town. I, I had, Every time I get back into town, it's like I'm packing up to go to the next city. So it's uh, been a hectic travel month. And, and this month. So where in Florida are you going? Are you going to Boca or where are you going? It's Palm Beach. Oh, so where's Palm Beach? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But man, like we didn't talk about it, but this month that the Canadians have, you know, where they've, they've already gotten off to two one and one start on the road. This is a real test, right? Like no Gallagher, no Hoffman, no Savard. Uh, yeah. Monaghan is being parked now for a little bit. I, I would think. I don't. I don't expect yeah. to see him Saturday. I don't expect to see him Monday. I would think. You know, it's time to heal up from the injury. Yeah. That he's and the degree of difficulty in their games, Eric. I looked at their schedule before it's the tough. season. I think I identified December seventeenth to January fifth, which I think is going to be the toughest stretch really tough. of their schedule all season. December seventeenth, Arizona, Arizona, whatever. But like into yeah. Arizona, into Colorado, yeah. where you're playing at altitude. No matter how banged up the Avs are, they're the Avs. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, into Dallas, who I think is arguably the best team in the league. No, no disrespect to New Jersey and Boston, who have been unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. They just play such a fast and heavy game and, and have such a great goaltender and such a good blue line. I mean, I, I think Dallas is 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 made to go this year, like and they're only going to get better between now and the trade deadline. And, and then, yeah. you know, you've got the post Christmas Tampa, Florida, Washington, Nashville, Washington, uh, the easiest of the teams and yet like Ovechkin's chasing down Gordy Howe and he always plays well against Montreal and so do the cap. So like mm-hmm. this is going to be a really telling point in terms of what they're able to do and who they are in defining. But look, we're almost 30 games in and I think we know who this team is, right? Like they're a resilient, tough group that they're, they're a competitive they, team. They make their mistakes, but they find ways to score goals and they yeah. find ways to stay in games and, there's only been one so far through what is it 27 or 26? Yeah, they're they're competitive and they're exciting. They're only been one that the only been one where they they were terrible and like totally let up. San and, Jose? Uh not even the the Buffalo game I thought. The Buffalo the, game, yeah. Yeah, the 7 2 game. game. The San yeah. Jose they just they just got beat. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean like there haven't been there hasn't been more than one game through this point in the season where you'd say like, oh, yeah, Buffalo not really got obliterated. Yeah. No. You're so. right. Uh, Tage, you know, Tage Thompson and Skinner went to town on the Montreal Canadiens and they went to town on the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. It's funny. Uh, the line on that game was an over under of seven. And I looked at it and Columbus played a game yesterday versus Pittsburgh. And I think they totaled five. And I was thinking, you know what? Seven might be a little high. Buffalo alone scored nine. My God. Unbelievable. All right, Eric. So if all goes well, you and I will talk again on Tuesday. Thank you very much. Sounds good. Thank you, Tony. All right. Thank you, buddy. There you have it. Eric Engels of Sportsnet. If you uh, can. Uh, comment one word to describe Shane Wright scoring his first goal against the Habs last night. You can find this post. We put it on Twitter on the sick podcast with Tony Marinero. We put it on Facebook on the sick podcast with Tony Marinero's Facebook page. And you can also do a comment one word right now. If you're watching Facebook live, if you're watching Twitter live, or if you're watching YouTube live now, it's not time for to go for gold, go for gold. A daily World Cup report. Presented by Bijou Trees Boston. Gold for Gold is brought to you by Bijou Tree Bassi. Bassi has provided professional service and fine jewelry for over 30 years. Visit the store at 9640 Boulevard St. Michelle, whether it's for an engagement ring, a diamond ring, whether it's for a Boulevard watch, or whether it's for a Ferrari watch, whether it's for a necklace like this or a bracelet like this or beautiful 18-karat gold earrings, uh, that and so much more at Bijouterie Bassi. Go Bassi, go by and see my good friend, uh, very good friend, Jenny Dioris. All right, at the uh, Qatar World Cup 2022, I can tell you that uh, there's not much going on, of course, because and now there are eight teams that are left in the World Cup who have a chance to win. And uh, they were off today. They're going to be off tomorrow. And uh, there's going to be two games, four teams that'll play on Friday. And there'll be two games and four teams that'll play on Saturday. So there you have it. Quarterfinal games on Friday. Croatia versus Brazil at 10 a.m. Eastern at 2 p.m. Eastern. It's Netherlands versus Argentina. And on Saturday, it's going to be Portugal uh, versus Morocco. And uh, Saturday afternoon, it's going to be England versus France. But Take a look at those teams that are remaining. My God, the storylines that we can have can be absolutely unbelievable. We could end up having um, 
bring it back up if we can. We could end up having, for example, a France versus Brazil World Cup final, which could be a rematch of 1998 when France hosted the World Cup, but Brazil was favored, but France beat them by a score of three to nothing. And if memory serves me well, it was Zinedine Zidane who had two goals off headers. Think about this. We could potentially see a World Cup final of Lionel Messi's Argentina versus Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal or Morocco can continue to do it. I mean, they, they're what a story. And by the yes, and Bono, their goalkeeper who was born in Montreal was on the front page of today's Journal de Montreal. Isn't that pretty cool for him to be on that front page? He stopped all three Spain penalties, uh, which was absolutely unbelievable. Anyway, um, other than that, the, the story of the World Cup right now, there's a couple of stories that you're seeing that there's all different kinds of pictures of Cristiano Ronaldo either celebrating or not celebrating after Portugal's win. I know a lot of media are trying to make a story of something that is probably a story or maybe even making a story out of something that isn't. You know, what we do know is he did salute, you know, the fans. He did it before his team did. He left the field a little bit earlier Cristiano Ronaldo's a proud guy, and look, I mean, no one should question whether or not he wants his team to win the World Cup, even if he doesn't score. I mean, of course he does. At the end of the day, it'll be part of his legacy if they do, that whether he contributes or he doesn't, he'll take Portugal winning a, a World Cup. But he's a very, very proud guy. Uh, you know, he wants to push this uh, GOAT debate as far as he can. Clearly, he didn't like the fact that he was on the bench yesterday for the first 72 minutes and uh, whether it was tactical or it wasn't tactical or coaches, whatever it was, obviously he didn't like it, but you know, unfortunately when you turn 37 years old, the law of physics kick in and you're no longer going to be the same player. And as much as you could be a Ronaldo fan, he's still absolutely fantastic. I believe he has not said his last word in this world cup. And he will score what will be a very, very important or a very, very huge goal at some point. I just get that feeling because great players can do things when you want them to do things. I just would have preferred if he didn't do that interview that he did, throwing Man United, the entire board, the ownership group, the committee, the CA, and all that stuff under the bus because it ended up putting a lot of pressure on him. And now the fact that he didn't start a game for Portugal and they were able to score as many goals as they did without him. And his replacement actually scored three. It, it puts, you know, it just, it, it, it doesn't look good. But, you know, all credit to Portugal. This is the best Portugal team that I have ever seen. And they are going to be a very, very tough out. And you know what? If they win it, I'll be happy because it's a team that I've always appreciated watching the way they play. And they have one of the best grassroots development programs uh, that they've ever had. Uh, one of the best that they've ever had. And uh, so um, they've been fun to watch. And, uh, they, you know, they're they're really, really fun to watch. I know uh, Kennedy uh, says that's BS. Whatever I said, there's something that he doesn't agree with. And that's okay, because that's my opinion. And uh, you don't have to agree with it. I have mine. You have yours. And uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean you're right. And it doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Right? It's just, you know, you hear people out, I respect your opinion, whatever it may be. But, you know, you know, what's, you know, they're a great team and he's a great player and we're watching a great World Cup so far. I know some people um, 
Uh, I know you don't want Portugal. You want Argentina. Nah, well, if Argentina would win, I'd love for Argentina to win because Lionel Messi, after seven Ballon d'Ors, deserves a World Cup. If Portugal wins, I'd love to see Portugal win because after five Ballon d'Ors, Cristiano Ronaldo deserves a World Cup. I'd probably like to see Portugal maybe even win it more than Argentina because Argentina has won a World Cup before. Unfortunately, Portugal has not. On that note, special thanks to Energy Transportation Group. Special thanks to Lacash, and uh, and of course, um, special thanks to Eight Point Six Beer Intense by Nature. Special thanks to all of you, my sick army. Uh, if all goes well, it looks like it's going to be George Larac who's going to join us tomorrow. He's our contributor every Thursday night, and George Larac celebrated a birthday today. As he turned 46 years of age, we'll wish him a happy birthday tomorrow. I'll wish him a happy birthday now, but I'll also do it tomorrow when he joins us. To all of you, Sick Army, I love you. Thanks for watching. Tell all your friends about it. Hit the like button. Share it with your friends on Facebook. Tell your friends to subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free because the host and the podcast is sick. Have a good one. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.